The following podcast may be explicit. Meh. We should give us the chance to get out of this mess. Gonna give us the chance. Little chance of success. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. Thank you for joining us for season 14, episode 11 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Tim. This is Stork. And this is Jeb. And we've had, uh, it's been, what, uh, a week since the, the con. Yeah. Seems longer. Uh, did you guys have fun? I did. I, I had a great, great time. Yeah. Nobody got hurt, I don't think. All except maybe Tyler. Got the... Uh, yeah, well, I think Tyler is still in therapy for his alcohol poisoning. Therapy. Problem. And uh, Bruce, although he doesn't get hungover, I, was, I happened to be on the floor, as, uh, the same floor as him, and he was walking down the hall bustropically, like, like it was like a ship <laughs> heaving underneath him, and yet I know the hotel was not moving. You guys all got... Uh, I'm covered. Yeah, right. yeah we had... I'm uh, all digital. The, I, I've never seen Bruce... That drunk on Friday night. He was tore up. He was tore up on in the night. in the mortal words of Stu. <laughs> he, he was tore up from the floor up. I all actually right. I actually spoke to Tyler the next day. He said he did not have a hangover at all. He's lucky. That's because that's because it's the, the shining minerals in the the Vinique <laughs> counteracted the hangover. Uh, he's still all young and shit. Yeah, either, there either, is that too. Either that or it was shenanigans, and he just didn't want to say. Yeah, I was blowing chunks all day. I'm sure he was. He had to be. Well, I, I, you may not have thrown up, but that stuff was nasty. I'm not. Uh. I almost threw up, and I only had one small sip. <clears throat> I took one shot, and it was like it was like lighter fluid going right down my throat. And I'm like, I can't drink anything else tonight. It was it, like lighter fluid that was like really like sickeningly sweet, on fire lighter fluid going yeah. down it, my throat. It was so bad. Is my it mic was. on? That stuff is. Really, yeah, vile. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah, hear you. You're, you're good. Hear, you're yeah. sweet, man. You're dulcet. Scratch your mic a little dulcet. bit. I'll check it real quick. Yeah. Okay. Scratch it again. I'll turn you up a little bit if you want. The dulcet tones yeah. of story. I'll give you a little bottom. <laughs> there you go. My little a little we bottom. Could, yeah. We there we go. Bring in the bass. Here you sound the, like Shadow Stevens. Drop the bass. Yeah. I'll use my I'll use my announcer voice. The show has been pre-recorded, so the cast and crew could be out of the country by the time it airs. Ho ho ho! Well, Gary Owens passed away like last week too. He yeah. did. Yeah. That's, did really? that's who yeah. I was just doing. Oh. Did you have your hand up? Yeah, I did. That's yeah. that's the the Gary Owens. And that was very sad, by the way. Yeah, it was. He was very old. Uh, they're saying on the podcast or on the chat room they can't hear us. Oh, I know what that is. That's why it seems so weird. <coughs> Buggery bollocks. I can fix this. Yes, I will fix this right now. Wait, turn it and down. it's fixed. No, no, no. I'm good. I, I, actually, I echo a little. Hey, bit. yeah. That's the echo. See that yeah. we're 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 in we're out of low latency monitoring, and that's the thing that stops the route that goes into the computer that sends it out to the G+. See, Tim, you asked, and now you know it's low latency monitoring. Does that mean a lot? Wow. <laughs> I, I have been edumacated. It's, it's low latency monitoring. Right. So if you'd like to email the show, because, you know, we live on email. <clears throat> yes, we uh, do. You can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at happyjacksrpg, all one word. You can also follow me personally on Twitter SR Venable. I'm on there. You got a Twitter handle you want to put on the thing? Uh, I do. It's I am Tim. I am Tim. Okay. And that's that's Tim. And then that's Stork is the genuine Stork. The genuine Stork. Yeah. The genuine Stork. Hashtag. Hashtag. No, uh, <laughs> at sign. Yeah. At, at the end. At the end. Like the boss. <laughs> In all caps. And do you have a do you want to have a Twitter handle you want to put up? Jazz is blues. Jazz is blues. 
All right, there we go. And uh, let's see if there's a... Uh, so it, it, anyone want to talk about anything? Yeah. Wait a second. Jazz is blues. Yeah. Jib. Yes. Yeah. Holy you didn't shit. know that? No. You, didn't put, you hadn't put that together before? No. Mind blown. <laughs> Nothing gets by me. I tell mind, you. Mind blown. Oh, is that, is that better? You're okay, fine. there we go. Uh, no, oh, it's, okay. it's actually the very first email I ever sent to the show, which was like four and a half years ago. I signed Jazz is Blues, and they started calling me Jib when they read it. And I was like, ah, that sucks. That sticks. I'm on it. Well, hot damn. It stucks like stuck snake. It stucks like stuck snake. Yeah, snake. Like sticky stuff. <laughs> so, anything about the con you guys want to cover that didn't get covered in the drunken podcast last week? Uh, someone had mentioned on the forum that you started to say something about fate, and then got steamrolled by Drinky. It was, and I don't remember what it, what it, what it was about. I was, All right, I, I had a point I was going to make between the two, um, and then it because I'm sure it was going to be inflammatory and was going to cause hate. hate Not me. really. I was just oh, going to try to have my opinions. Okay, yes, it was. It was absolutely. <laughs> I was going to bag on the entire system. Um, but I was playing in, in Jib's fake game, and Jib runs a really great game. And yeah. his his story was awesome. I'm still not completely sold on the uh, on the system. And he said at the podcast that you had to play it like twelve times. Well, the the thing is, and, and this is a, a theory that I've been working with for a while now. And it's it's not what is the mechanic. Yeah. It's how much do you have to think about the mechanic? That's the thing that gets in the way. And the thing with fate is that it is such a huge paradigm shift from other games that you have to think about it. I have to think about it a lot more. So you're more consciously aware of the mechanics than you would be for something like D&D or Pathfinder, which we've all done many, many times. I can make the same corollary with most people who play Hero, at least in the beginning, because... That whole OCV plus eleven minus the die roll, right, right. what the what you know, blows people and and that totally yanks them out of immersion. And I get that, but it's not what is the mechanic. It's that you have to think about it so much. I I really like Stu's corollary, which which makes a, a perfect sense for me with Fate and a couple other systems, <clears throat> which is the mechanic never goes away. With fate, you have little things out in front of you, constantly reminding you that the mechanic is there. It doesn't fade away. It doesn't go into the background. Like when you're when you're playing D and D, you can interact, you role play, you're doing all this stuff, you're going into places, and then only when you want to do something do you pull out dice, roll it, and then put them away again. With fate, it's, it always seems like you're being it's reminded no it's integrated. It's uh, I swear to God, it's no <laughs> different, Stork. It's just where they are. It's those things are not on the table; they're on your character sheet. It's the same thing. Yeah, and you have to do. I mean, think about. Think about all of the things that you have to keep in mind and the things you have to think about to run a round of combat for your player character in Pathfinder. Yeah, that's combat, though. Let's yeah. say we're having a conversation between an NPC and a PC. And the point at which we have to make a decision about whether you were able to persuade them or not? I, I just decide that. That's how I run it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you disdain social mechanics. Yes, I so. do. <laughs> um, but let, let's take... And, and D&D, for all of its faults, is very light on social mechanics. Yeah. I mean, there's like... I don't even know... If, is there a persuade <clears throat> skill in 5e now? I don't even know if there is one. There, There's like a... Insight? Insight, I think. It's probably, is it? probably the closest yeah. thing they got yeah. now. Yeah. So it doesn't even... Ha- it doesn't... It, it, they're they're starting to see the light. They're issuing. Gesundheit. Well, Gesundheit. <laughs> well in I think in someone's f- making a point there. 
This is really nice having the the other Mac with the chat room. Right. Well, that'll go away as soon as the two Macs are switched. Um. I'll, I'll bring it up here. Okay. So you can see it while um. I'm go ahead. Okay, Orc Boss. Um. Uh, it says with D and D, you just pick in advance which rules you want to interact with. Fighters never need to know spellcasting. Wizards don't grapple. Uh, that's no different than fate, where you pick what your aspects are, what your skills are, what your stunts are, and those are the things that you work with. And um, things get put into play that you can then take advantage of if you want to, and if it's relevant to what's going on. Um, I do not disagree that it is a huge paradigm shift from from mother more traditional games. And that might be the the biggest issue <clears throat> is that right now it requires a lot more thought because it's so counterintuitive to what we're used to from a role right. game. Right. But I've played Fate numerous times with people who've played it a great deal more than I have. And all of that dealing with the stuff on the table and whatnot goes away. It's like it's just it's like next to invisible. It's just you know I'm go- I want to do a thing. And that's kind of, I mean, fate comes out of fudge, and that was kind of the, the whole thing was we're going to replace mechanics with language. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of the whole thing with fudge. And, and I can see if it becomes so intuitive that you don't even think about it, then yeah. And, the, and, the, and that, at that point, then it really, it really is going to be the game where the rules just fade into the background because the language you're using is the rules. Right. The language you're using is the rules, and they're just weaving this this element that got added to the game into the thing that's going on. Right. Now, yeah. as a as a prime example, yeah, you know, I make a die roll to do something and let's say, you know, my high concept aspect is I am a steely-eyed swordsman. Ta-da. Okay? And I'm making an attack roll on a monster. And I need a let's say I need a 5 and I got a 4. Well, I am a steely-eyed swordsman so i just and the thing is it's always the same thing i either add a plus two or i re-roll the dice it's my choice um and like i said after you've played with it for a while and made that paradigm shift it just kind of flows just kind of flows through sure i can see that on the opposite end of the spectrum i played an apocalypse world engine hack game um and it was it was kind of a nice thing I played Fiasco the night before because I was already into the whole just sort of just say what you're going to do kind of thing and, and, and really role play and story tell and try to bring in as many of the little hang- dangling threads that you can. Um, and it was it was fun. The guy was really, really good. The, the thing is it is, boy, if your GM is hungover or off his game, that game, that game can tank because he, he is in charge of everything. Well, okay, just to um, unknown armies. The game that you played, yeah, is a hack of a hack right. of Apocalypse, World. and then he even hacked it some more. I think he even had it right. That's own, like, the house he rules. took the hack and then hacked it some more yeah. to make what he was running. And the beauty of Apocalypse World is you can do that, yeah. Um, and just to make a very quick distinction, the difference between a hack and a reskin, a hack changes fun rules about how the game works, right? A reskin is just I'm going to put a different flavor on what's already there. Um, and I didn't play in the game that you played in. Uh-huh. Sounds like it was a good game. I talked to some of the other guys who were in it. Um, the way the Apocalypse Engine works is 
every character has what are called basic moves. Everybody can do basic moves. Um, then every character has advanced moves, which only they can do. The GM never rolls dice in this equation. Ever. So, and the mechanic is always the same for anything you want to do. I want to do, I want to do hack and slash, using a dungeon world phrasing. Uh, which is, I want to do a physical attack on something. I roll 2d6. If I get a 10 or above, I got everything I wanted. Yay. Awesome. If I get a 7 to a 9, I get what I wanted, but the GM gets to do something too. If I get below that, then I might get what I wanted, and the GM gets to do something worse, or I don't get what I wanted, the GM gets to do something to me. That's how that's how the mechanic of the game works for everything. The beauty of it is it's always the same same semantic. Um, where I find, and in my experience, this is more common with Dungeon World itself than with other apocalypse-based games. Um, I, I know some players who totally seize up because when you do what amounts to a notice check, which is called discern realities in Dungeon World, there's a specific list of questions that you're allowed to ask. And how many of them you get to ask is based on your success on the die roll. And that list of questions causes people some issues from time to time. Sure. It yanks them out of that immersion thing. Um, my point being that apocalypse world-based games are not immune to that. No, I, but and that's my point. It's very much like Fiasco in a way, where you have a list of choices that happen under each little dice that you get. And you don't really have a lot of control of it, but... That being said, the GM will start with that, and then you get right. information starts to flow. But uh, yeah, it does. It does take you down a set path. I, I love splat world games myself. Um, I, I have a, have a great time with them. I've played half a dozen or more different ones. Uh, I think Gina's played probably thirty different apocalypse world based games at this point, um, and they're a ton of fun. But like all of the of these the newer more open narrative games like that they put more of the onus on the the participants in the game um yeah i mean well okay what i was trying to point out was that at, uh, the apocalypse world i didn't feel the, the mechanic at all it was a lot of just it, with the people interacting with each other on the table and the gm was really really as opposed to the fate where i felt like the mechanic was constantly there in front of me now, yeah, I, I, I concede your point that I don't know the mechanic of fate very well, so I don't, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't recede to the background. But with Apocalypse World, it was, I barely noticed but it see, at all. I, when I, I, I played Dogs in the Vineyard on Friday, and that mechanic will never disappear. Yeah? Because there's a pile of dice in front of you that you're picking through and picking out the numbers you want and placing them in front of you under almost every circumstance. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that yeah. will never disappear. I, I, Those di- the pile of dice is always going to be there. That's the game mechanic. Right. 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 I, I might assert as well, and um, I don't know the GM who ran your Unknown there's Armies a, game. Mike Royce. Yeah. One of those things with a lot of consonants, like one right. vowel. Uh, but my assertion would be that he's probably more adept and more skilled with running um, Unknown Armies, running his hack of, of Apocalypse World, than I am running Fate. No, well, maybe I don't know. He um, he's definitely a theater geek. He said, and so it, it comes out that way. And he really enjoys the whole narrative aspect of of the Apocalypse World engine and and just making up stuff as on the fly. He also may have done like me and just 
kind of throwing a lot of rules out and just. Well, that's kind of the thing. I, I read my moment of truth game Saturday afternoon. I think there were two die rolls in there. <laughs> okay, there are no die comments. rolls in moment of truth. <laughs> not the way we play it. Not the way we play it. <laughs> at least, at least once every two or three sessions. <laughs> There's at least one. And Tim, what did you play? Oh, that's right. Oh, you were. Oh, you know what? Oh, I only, I only got to hear the the the, uh, the drink drink fest. The drink cast. The drink cast. <laughs> yeah, I got to hear that. I, I do want to. Um, I want to go on record uh-huh. as making a retraction. Okay. Uh-oh. Something that was said the very first time I was about, on here. Oh, about the... Okay. About, about, about the whole Bruce... The, the Cleveland the, Steamer. The Cleveland Steamer, yeah. It, yeah. It was once. Tyler was right. Okay. I was wrong. Oh, right. there's there's so. been uh, stuff on the forums. See, that's the problem. When you have a big microphone in front of you, it goes out there, <laughs> and <laughs> people hear it, and they hold it against you. I've, I've learned this hard... In fact, actually, I haven't actually learned. I, I and still, they will hold I, it for against you forever. Yes. I find it safer just to think the worst of Bruce as you possibly can. Uh, that's that a is good, a safe yeah, assumption. That's a safe yeah. assumption. Yeah. That is yeah. a safe assumption. Right, yeah. but let me uh, before we go on to the topic, let me just mention we have a, we're, we have a sponsor. Woohoo! Yay! So, are you looking for an epic piece of tabletop hardware for your next adventure? Dogmite Games has you covered. Their dice chests and adventure cases are a perfect addition to your gaming arsenal. The dice chest holds nearly one hundred dice and doubles as a rolling tray and screen, so you can cheat. Uh, it comes in your choice of wood, or hardware, and felt color. Add an optional metal symbol for epic customization. Come on, use your radio. You can use your Gary Owens. Do your best Gary Owens. I can't do Gary Owens. Now, they did. the guy that sent this to me said he would like it as Charles Nelson O'Reilly, but he said his partner was not was fond of that idea. So how about if you go like, <laughs> in the background while I read it. <laughs> Uh, ready to take your campaign to the next level? The adventure case is an ult- is the ultimate GM tool. Oh, it's that! How's that for a topper? <laughs> <laughs> it has room for your gaming supplies, minis, pencils, and a built-in rolling tray. <laughs> the case itself turns into a screen for GMs that like to hide their rolls, like me, because I cheat. Uh, it is fully customizable, featuring your choice of wood, felt, uh, optional custom symbols. Like I love custom symbols. <laughs> <laughs> dogs, dogs Might products, uh, Dogs Might's product line comes in a variety of domestic and exotic hardwoods. Hardwoods. <laughs> Each piece features... <laughs> you want me to get the rest of it? <laughs> no, I got it. Okay. Each piece features high-quality hardware and optional... Op- <laughs> Each piece features high-quality hardware and optional custom metal symbols in any design you want. Ready to be blown away? Check out dogmite.com now. Alright, um, I'm just going to jump in because yeah, they did a, a Kickstarter not long ago and I backed their Kickstarter <coughs> and uh, their stuff is totally freaking awesome. I don't have my boxes yet. I ordered three of them. Um, I'm, but I'm supposed to get them in May, and we've already been talking about the artwork to go on the top of them and whatnot. And I know they've already been fulfilling uh, orders from the Kickstarter, and the photographs of their stuff just look fucking amazing. Yep. They're yeah, the, truly awesome. Their website is really cool. I, as soon as I got the show notes, mm-hmm. I went and looked at it. Yeah. And, uh, I, and did, then, I actually and then, didn't know about the, the GM cases. I will be going and looking this afternoon to see about buying one. Mm-hmm. They're really trick. I looked at those, and then I looked at my little toolbox where I keep my dice, and I went, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my toolbox oh. for GMing is right here. Well, I don't think I've ever seen you without that. Yeah, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> my brain is in there. We we walked to Starbucks. You took it with you? Uh, yeah. back with you. Yeah. 
because it has my laptop yeah. and my other yeah. laptop and my iPad in it. And, and without those things, I am useless. And his dice. You carry two laptops with you yep. and an iPad yep. all the time? Yep. Mm-hmm. Personal laptop, work laptop, iPad. Wow. It's heavy. That's that is because I am laptop. basically on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If they call me and need and need something, I... I'm supposed to be, but I just assume the other guy's going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for accountability! For the last for the last year and a half, there has not been another guy. Oh yeah, that's Beak. so. So anyway, I'd like to thank Dogmite.com for sponsoring the episode. And if you'd like to go look at their products, go to Dogmite.com and take a look, see what you like Do over it, there, because their stuff is awesome. Yeah, and thank them. I thank them for supporting the show, and you should thank them too. I, I'm going to go to the website just to find out why they call it Dogmite. I'm sure there's a story there somewhere. I don't know. I didn't I, go to the I, about page. I don't know the story behind it. There's always a good story good behind the names. Uh, so, uh, the main topic... 20 minutes in. Yeah, we can still do it. Um, I wanted to talk about... Uh, this was actually suggested... Was it by S.B. Lloyd? Sploid. Yeah. and it was. It, Which it, sounds dirty, by the way. It does. Sploid. Sploid. Yeah. I, I sploid it all, all over, over the place. <laughs> <laughs> no, your dice go sploid. You dice sploided. They do. That's the uh, Savage Worlds mechanic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah when, when your dice, dice sploid. Sploiding yeah. dice. <laughs> uh, and he, he wanted to... He asked, how do you keep pacifist PCs engaged in combat? I have to tell you, when I saw this, I was really enthused. I don't know how much I'll have to contribute, because... I have never, ever played a pacifist character, mm-hmm. nor have I ever, ever run anyone who wants to play a pacifist character. Really? So, really. Huh. Never. Wow. I've, had, I've had pacifist <laughs> characters in GURPS. Even in GURPS. I, I never well, came that, across that. It's kind of how I want to start on this, is because in GURPS there are like different levels of pacifism. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that you really need to understand... <coughs> Where the when a player comes to you and says, "I want to play a character who's a pacifist," okay, you need to f- understand what they mean by that. You know, and there right. and there is, I don't start fights, I don't fight. Period. I won't kill, but I'll beat someone up, mm-hmm. uh, or I don't support or participate in violence whatsoever. You know, I mean, there's different levels of it, and depending on what level the, the that you're talking about, it's it can be easier or more difficult. To incorporate them in the game. If someone just won't kill, that's pretty easy. Make sure that you've, you know, if you're playing a game that has mechanics or you can have, you know, you, you can attack someone in, in a non-lethal manner. Yeah. That's, there's no big deal. Um, I think there's a trap in that if you're using critical success mechanics because a lot of mm-hmm. GMs will then say, oh, yo, you, you got a critical success so you killed him. And I, I don't like that because that's the critical success is like this is this is the the perfect storm. This is the absolute ideal thing. You got for my precisely character. what you wanted. Yeah, e- exactly. Yeah, you, when you, when you hit, hit him and knocked him out, and he's out cold or whatever. Now, what I might do just because I'm you know an asshole like that is on a crit fail. Yeah, I might have something like that happen, but I'm not going to do it over and over again. Right, but bringing uh. that into their story would be dramatically interesting to me. Sure, and to see what how they deal with it. Yeah, I agree. At some point, but um, it also seems like in in D anD D five, for instance, you have a built in backstop against that with the the death save mechanic. Yes, so they could just 
beep, 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 until the person goes down, and then they can go, ha ah, they're still alive, and walk away, and you can just sit there and make their death saves. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> or you can do like they did with the wizard in the Elder Me game, and that is try to heal him. Yeah. You know, you right. put him down, try to heal him, you know, so that, you know, you have him to question. Bring him back up to one a hit point. One yeah. hit point, right. And you then shit in his mouth and kill him again. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, come on. Yeah. My association, you will never live that down either. Nope. I know. No. I know. So I, it, you know, Stu, you actually bring up a really good point because when I was thinking, I was thinking when I f- read the topic, I'm like, oh, the pacifist just doesn't fight, but there are degrees of that. I'm thinking like uh, Bruce Banner, right? He's like, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I. And he spends a lot of time trying to talk his way out of fights because because sure. mm-hmm. if he, somebody starts pissing him off, well, all hell breaks loose. Or maybe Kwai Chang Kane from the you know the the Kung Fu series where he's like, right. I don't want to fight. But of course, when they finally pushed him to the point where he had to, he, right. you know, he wiped the floor with him. Yeah, and right. that's maybe another type of pacifist, which and is like he's he's so in tune and you know. The, and then there's like the Gandhi, which is no, I'm not going to fight you at all. You just you can you're going to have to kill me. Right, and that is a really difficult player. Or character to play and to have a, as a as a as a GM to, to be running through the game because I'm not sure what you know what to do with them especially if everybody else is all uh, a murder hobo this guy's going to be stuck with nothing to do. Well, I think that you need to step back and look at at how for we'll, we'll use Gandhi since that was the example that you brought up and it was a great one. Um, what made Gandhi powerful if he wouldn't fight? Well, he had an army behind him. People well, not he had an army of people who, they might not have fought either, but they were not, they would basically shut down the economic universe if something happened to him. You have to bring that kind of level of political power. If you're not going to have physical power, you have to have, have some other kind of power. Yeah. And if you're going to be a pacifist, you, ha- you then as the GM, you have to bring some other kind of power into the game for them to exercise. I think that's the point I was making, was as a GM, if you've got a bunch of murder hopes and somebody playing a pacifist, you can't use that as a punishment. You have to include them into your game almost, maybe more so than your murder hobos, because the murder hobo is going to be happy just killing the troll. Yeah, you have to really work on making sure the pacifist not only is part of the game, but it has something interesting to do. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, what are you going to do for someone who is the... Because, I mean, that's that's obviously the hard case. I think so. Right. Uh, the, the guy who, oh, I won't kill, but I'll be bl- bludgeon someone over the head until they're bloody. Yeah, like Batman. That's You'll, easy. He's supposed to beat them up to the point where, in fact, you can actually do head trauma, which which they then have to carry through the rest of their life, <laughs> as opposed to just killing kill them. <laughs> but he didn't kill him. yeah. He's a vegetable, but he's still breathing. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, what do you do with the, with a character who's like, I will not engage in violence? The Gandhi kind of mm-hmm. archetype, that kind of thing. What I mean, you got even there. You've got sort of two distinctions. You've got the guy who I won't raise my hand against anyone, and you have the other person who is like, I cannot abide violence. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> what do you do when combat breaks out? Because obviously combat's going to break out because they're role playing games. I mean, right. They're designed yeah, for that. In almost any, as a matter of fact, I can't think of a single role playing game where the two biggest sets of rules were not combat and magic. Oh sure. You've got. Well, most of the rules of a game go to combat, and then you've got someone sitting here saying, "I'm not going to do that." <laughs> I, I think again. I, I think again. You have to give them some kind of power outside of combat, and that power has to extend to ramifications of if somebody d- kills them. Well, I 
you could play him like a conscientious objector or like a healer, where they have. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna participate in the violence, but I will help you, you know, during it or, or afterwards to heal you because I'm a healer and I, it's all about preserving life and not taking life, right? And, and maybe that's kind and such of a character might also heal the bad guys. That's are, a, that's very true right. as well, right? Um, yep. And, and you know, maybe, maybe I could see. I could. I could definitely see. It might even be an interesting character choice where you you're a cleric of a god who is a god of life, all life. Good and bad, and you and you dedicated your life to healing life, not taking it. Mm-hmm. You know, I could I could see that as a total character choice, but I could also see it could it can backfire, and I, mean, I think you can piss off the rest of the players. Yeah, I, I, yeah. you can't. You certainly might. You certainly uh, might. This goes back to our contention we've had for a long time that characters should be ma- built together yeah. as a group. Yes, because that way this is going to come up in that conversation, and then they, the rest of the players can go, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. We're a bunch. Of, we want to be a bunch of murder hobos. We want to just go kill some shit. That's not going to work. Or they can go. Oh, I was thinking I'd make a murder hobo, but this is a deeper thing, and I'm going to kind of, to some degree, jump on that bandwagon. Not. I'm not. I'm going to be a pacifist, but I'm going to include the the things around that. In my thinking, for what yeah, I'm doing, you could see somebody just being a dick by saying, you know, there everybody else wants to play Conan and a Viking and uh, and Red Sonia, and then you come in and go, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a pacifist. Yeah, they're like, what? you know, just just a, you could, I could see already that's like the opposite that everybody is going to do is just to fuck with them, and but. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, there there could be interesting stories in a party of murder hobos with the one guy who refuses to to fight. He's the liability. He's the damsel in distress. He he's might the, be. Well, or there might be some other reason why he's there. Right. See, here, here's an interesting... I, I was just... Interesting character concept just leapt into my head. The guy who used to be the great swordsman and was like... Well, he's like the gunfighter. He was like the great gunfighter. But something happened. Doesn't really matter what it was. And now he's like, I will not kill. Yeah. I will not. I will not do it. That's like the Kwai Chang Kang character. It's quite, that's exactly yeah, his, that's exactly his backstory. His he's got all skills. these skills. But at some point, you can you can push him, and that's and maybe that's the interesting thing for the GM. You can come up with encounters that a pacifist might feel okay with. For example, if they're not actually live creatures, right? You're dealing with undead creatures. Perhaps they're already dead. Sure. They're coming at you. They're zombies, skeletons. All sorts of creatures, automatons, even, even demonic right, yeah, creatures, right. which aren't technically life. They're they're a, a creature of magic and of evil, and right. they're not really mm. bo- organic, you know, material life. Or you, I guess you could do animals, although if the person's a vegetarian or something, they're like, no, it's still alive. But mm. you, plants, maybe I don't know. You could, but there are things you could go walk in the grass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there are encounters that you can use. For example, if you want to play a pacifist, I, I, you could have your entire game just be involved. In necromancer bringing up undead mm-hmm. so that this pacifist actually has no qualms about taking an undead life how do you know you right. and, that and then when that where that story gets really interesting to me is when the pacifist and the necromancer come nose to nose yeah because right. now you have the live guy who's responsible for it what are you going to do about that what do you do with a guy in the party and this is sometimes well it's usually been me the guy that avoids fights because um, I know when we were playing in the 4E game, I avoided a couple of combats to, and pissed off some people in the in the group. Oh, sure. Because they were all ready and they had their combat and they were all they just wanted to kill something that day. But what do you do with a guy that, <coughs> that wants to, to maybe just talk his way out of a fight or 
uh, wants to avoid them as best he can. You know, maybe they're sneaking through. It's like if we go and jump on these guards, we're going to you know alert them to our position or whatever. It's not necessarily a pacifist, but it's a pacifist solution to a, a fighty problem. Because it's been my experience that most people just default to hitting. They very rarely default to talking their way out of or avoiding combat. They yeah. almost seek it out and embrace it. And I've always had more fun trying to figure out a way around it. You know? Sure. Um, I, I, it's not quite pacifism, but it kind of falls in that genre. I, I think it's a level of it, certainly. I mean, and I think that's a more common character yeah, than I, the actual straight-up pacifist. If, your problem with that is you're going to have, if you have a GM mm-hmm. who's going to, you know, yes-and your way so that you can do that successfully, you can avoid those combats, I think for, if, you, if the rest of the party is, like, into combat, you need to placate them a little bit and, and at least throw in a couple of combats where there is no talking your way out of it. There again, undead, automatons, something like that. Or, you know, someone who is just mo- has been sent to kill you for whatever yeah. reason. Or It can't be reasoned with. The, those, those, those situations where, okay, yes, you're able to talk your way out of these, these three potential combats, but then, oh, the hitman shows up to take you out. Right. And, and, you're not going to talk your way out of that. And the thing is, Stork, that's actually, I think, a more uh, realistic approach. That I think a lot. That I think a lot more people should be taking, which is when you come up on a say a, a, a castle entrance and you need to get in, and there's two guards there. A lot of gamers nowadays will go, "Well, we'll just sneak up and backstab the fuck out of those two guards." Right. But the more intelligent and the more realistic choice is, okay, well, let's figure out how to get around these guards without them knowing. Because if you just go up and murder two guards, all of a sudden you're going to have more guards coming after you. Right. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. On that point, not really the pacifism, but, you know, one of the things that I think gets lost in role-playing games is combat in the real world is dangerous. It's exceedingly dangerous and deadly, too. And, you you know, even if you win, you get hurt in the process. And, you know, that's that's n- not most people's idea of a good day. Right. Who knew? Um, but, you know, that's different from being a pacifist. And someone who refuses to do physical harm, they just categorically refuse to do physical harm to someone. Um, you know, that's a, that's a hard thing to deal with when you've got the rest of the group wants to kill stuff. Mm-hmm. And... You you might be able to to make a happy medium between the two. Maybe you don't kill stuff, but you just you're specialized in subduing or trapping. So you could you're like maybe you're a wrestler. So you're great at grappling. Right. Right. And I, then you, I would, you can give them a chokehold till they pass out. Or maybe you are great at disarming things. So you know you use a martial arts and you don't kill them, but you you know you take their weapons away from them. Or maybe everything you do is to defend, is to keep your friends from harm. Right. So, or maybe you know, you're a judo expert, so that you know you just keep flinging them on the ground every time they come at you, but you don't actually you know hurt them. Right. Uh, uh, someone brings up a question in the on the Q and A. By the way, if you're listening live, and you should always listen live, you can go to happyjacks.org/live and hear the show on Saturdays. Although that's going to start switching to Fridays because fair. Oh yeah. Is that a is that a just a fair change back or is that uh, probably stay just way? for fair? Okay. Probably just for fair. I'm I'm imagining. I'm, okay. I'm, probably. Uh, and I, th- I think next next week we're going to be Saturday afternoon, three o'clock. I believe. Three o'clock Pacific time, and then the week after that, I think we go to that's Friday. Fair Fridays. Time. Fair so, time. And then it's Fridays until June. So 
Um, but if you want to listen live, happyjacks.org slash live, and then the, the, I'll post the time. Follow us on the Twitters, because that's where I put all the things, and on the Facebooks. But anyway, we have a Q&A, so if you l- do listen live, you can go into the Q&A thing and splat questions at us. What about PCs or entire parties without any combat capabilities? What about only one PC with fighting skills? What sort of challenges or encounters do you prepare for your players? This is my current situation, by the way. This is from Polly. Uh, traps, puzzles, traps, pu- yeah. Um, you or or uh, even just talking away. Everybody's maybe a group of bards, and so they're all stand-up comics and con men, and or, I mean, and you, could, with, you yeah. could be even just be playing a modern-day game where you're playing like bankers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to not combat something. You could talk your way out of something. You could sneak around it. You can you can. Uh, I'm going to roll my not combat. Roll yeah, my not combat. Roll. I got a twelve. <laughs> did I not well, hit him? Well, did I successfully not combat? It's him? an aspect in fade. Is not combat. The, the, oh. no. <laughs> well, no. It would be easier to do in a more granular game like GURPS or Hero. Sure. Where sure. I make a character who has really amazing defensive abilities and no offensive abilities at all. He can block, block and dodge for shit for you know crazy days. Right, but he can't hit for shit. Or you make a character who's very good at social mechanics. Oh yeah, right. So he can like talk his way out of it. Very mm-hmm. persuadey. Right, right. Exactly. You know, he's you know you come up there and if the orc wants to kill you, no, listen, <laughs> Mister Orc, let me tell you a joke. Let me tell you something. This is going to be really funny. <laughs> and talks his way out right. of the. But so I mean, that, interestingly, I'm you, sorry. You just need to come come up with ordinary conflicts that the party is uniquely equipped to deal with you know whatever whatever that might be whether that's oh okay well you have two, two warring factions and within the party you've got two people who are allies of each of the two factions maybe you can bring the two of them together to the table the best yeah. example yeah. i can think of can. is the original mission impossible uh television show mm-hmm. it, not the movies but tom cruise because tom cruise goes and kills everything and every, every that comes out lots of explosions but the original yeah. Um, Mission Impossible was like a psyops group. If they were discovered at all, if anybody knew they were there, their mission had failed. Right. So these guys would come in, and not once did they fire a bullet. It was all coming up, and, and it was uh, smoke and mirrors, and trying oh, yeah. to trying to get oh, yeah. trying yeah, to get yeah. a prisoner out of a and banana the, republic without killing anybody. And, and, and the and, stories were much better. And and in those, I don't think I think I remember maybe one where there were shots fired. And usually, if there were shots fired, there were blanks. They had like set it up that the person got killed, and everybody thinks they're dead, and then they sneak them out or whatever right. it is. And then the cool music starts, and right. the guy stands up. Right, and they all walk out together and, and, and disappear into the, you know, right. into the, in, like they were never there. That's how you could do a game where there's actually no combat and still be really interesting to the characters. So, Stork? Um, yes? What do you think Gandhi would do if he actually came up across zombies? <laughs> uh, that's a really interesting question. I think uh, because they're Someone not... needs to write a book. Yeah. Gandhi like versus Abraham zombies. Lincoln, vampire killer, that yeah. kind of vein. It'd be like Gandhi, Gandhi zombie, Gandhi or zombie slayer. <laughs> you know what? If you if you were a cleric or whatever, you could probably heal them to the point where they actually became back alive. But what if so you just Gandhi? You could, so you would bring zombies to life. You would un undead them. You would un undead them. <laughs> well, <laughs> have you have you guys seen? Uh, God, what is it? It's, I think it's on Sci-Fi. Z- Z Nation or Nation Z, something like that. Uh, I've seen. I've like seen the blip for it's it, but a, I haven't seen it. It is. People were giving it reviews like, "Oh, it's just a rip off of Walking Dead." Like Walking Dead was the first thing with zombies in it, right? Um, <laughs> but it is. It's a post-apocalyptic show, but it's kind of campy. Um, one of the main characters in it is like an old stoner hippie who they call Doc 
because he knows a lot about pharmaceuticals. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And he's like, con- and, wow. and, and, and like the, the, the monetary unit in the post-apocalyptic world is, um, uh, bullets. No. Oh no, no, no. It's food. Uh, no, no, a drug. Um, what's it called? It's the, it's the painkiller that, uh, Oxycontin. Is that Oxycontin. One? Yeah. Oh. It's oxy- Everyone is trying to trade Oxycontin. Because, yeah, you really want to be stoned out of your mind when there's zombies coming after yeah. you. Yeah. Well, it just makes reality seem a little less, a little less easy, real. easier to deal with <laughs> until right. someone's munching on your brain. But they, I mean, yeah. there was, uh, there's one episode where they're like, they go to a like pharmaceutical plant. They're going to try to get all the Oxycontin out of there. But they also this plant also happened to produce Viagra. <laughs> 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 and for some reason, zombies like Viagra. So there's like zombies with stiffies running around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Not only they're stiff, but they're stiff. They're stiff. Yeah, right. yeah. But it's that kind Hi-o. of a show. But it's very funny. There's another one called. I don't I, remember what my. There's another one called I Zombie, which is sort of. I think this is a zombie living in the real world, and she must protect her secret. Right. And I actually saw a clip from that, and the main character was like, "I still totally want to eat brains right now." And I. That just hit me as so funny. And later on in that moment. clip, she's like, has a brain, and she puts it on her salad. It looks like shrimp, and she's eating it. How are you feeling? Much better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Here, have a brain. You're not yourself when you have an Exactly. It's like a Snickers moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brain's really satisfying. So, did we cover all of that? Yeah, sure. Kind of wander yeah. far afield. Let, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and move on to the first email. I'll read the first one. Uh, this is an emergency. I just came. I think it just came in yesterday. I missed one from two weeks ago. There was someone who sent an emergency email about something. Says, but I'm playing Thursday, and I got it like the morning we did the show, so I didn't check the check my email, so it was too late. But if you still want to hear that, let me know. Uh, what was his name? Jerry, I think. Anyway, uh, I have that. This is from out of print. <laughs> DM. Too much coffee. I have been asked to run a game for five players using the D&D 5e system. My quandary is five players are all completely new to RPGs and all girls. The fact that they are girls is not is not much of a thing as we frequent the same pub, listen to the same music, and enjoy the same type of nerd culture. It's the fact that they're all completely new to RPGs. I have to make this make their first game amazing! Uh, have you any <coughs> advice for me running a... Comp- for a complete set of novices. I am thinking of giving each a set of dice with pre-made characters. Is there any other things I should think think of beforehand? I will be running the, the, the game on Sunday, March 8th, if all goes well. Also my 45th birthday. Once again, hey. thanks for the best RPG podcast. From out of print. DM. The the one thing that comes to mind, well, two things come to my mind is first of all, be a big fan of your players, definitely, mm-hmm. and you just really just want to enable them whenever they want to try, let them, right? Right. And I would go a little rules light. Whatever system you're using, just try not five E. He's using five. Do not. Right. Okay. Right. Don't enforce every single mechanic because if they start getting caught up in dice rolls and looking on characters, I think it's going to sort of maybe take away from some of the magic. Uh, I, I would take a note from your book, Sue. When you run GURPS for new people, you don't enforce every little thing. No. Right. You you right. you hit some of the top points and <coughs> enough that people feel, but you don't. Yeah. You don't start, and I think that that's important because you don't want to shy them and scare them away with all this math and mechanics and stuff. Yeah. I mean, then, in your first combat with five E, because they still have the uh, opportunity attack mechanic if you yeah. step away without taking a disengage maneuver. Yes. 
yeah, I'd kind of maybe ignore that for the first game or two. Right. And then afterwards, say, oh, by the way, when you do step away from someone, they can get a free attack on you. Just yes. so you guys know. At for that the next point, game. they will have a better idea of the rules yeah. things. But also, just yes and them and really be a fan of them. And right. Make sure that whatever they try, unless it's completely unreasonable, that you go. Give yeah. them at least a chance. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. I, I would also recommend uh, using the basic rules to get them started. The basic rules are free. That's a great idea. They're PDFs. You can yeah. download them. Yeah, that's. The, uh, I just sent the. The, the basic player rules and the basic D&D rules, I just had Lulu print me off a set mm-hmm. with nice covers and everything. Yeah. And they, they're really good, and that would be good for that as well. I, and also, uh, out of print DM, I am also having a birthday on March 8th. So, oh, good wow. birthday, man. Wow. That's awesome. You know, the, I ran the 5e game on at the con, and I printed out copies of the basic rules mm-hmm. and gave them to all the players. So, yeah. here's a copy of the rules... You know, and there is a couple times like oh, I, I have this thing I can do and look it up and then yeah, yeah, like handy. you know the, the optional feat rules, for instance, in D anD D five, they're not even in right the right. basic yeah. rules, so that, right. that they're a really good starting point Perfect. for for the first game. One, I would make sure that I know their characters really well. Yeah, because what I want them to focus on is what they want to do. I don't want to even ask them, okay, so what is your persuasion bonus? By the way, there is a persuasion skill in D&D yeah. 5. Yeah, they said it on um, the They said it on the, on yeah. the chat. Because I, I would thought there was, but I wasn't positive. But anyway, um, because, oh, I want to jump over this thing. Okay? I don't want to even ask them what's your acrobatic skill. I just want to say, you want to jump over that thing? Roll a 20-sided dice for me. Right. And <coughs> awesome, you made that. Tell me what that looks like. Another thing you might want to do when you know their characters really well, and I did this with my stepson <clears throat> when I was teaching him, is if you know their characters really well and you say, wow, here's the situation, and they're looking at you with that blank, I have no idea what to do, look, you can easily say, well, you could, for instance, cast your magic missile spell, or mm-hmm. you could try and jump across and you know, kind of lead them into the things that their characters are good at mm-hmm. when they come to that spot where they're just lost. I agree a thousand percent, and I would would add one tiny little caveat on that, and that is frame it in a literary fashion. So, meaning they come up to the chasm, um, and they're going, uh, I don't know what to do here. You think you might be able to jump over that? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. What do you think? Do you think it's a mistake to give them pre-made characters? That's kind of what I'm wondering about. Do you think it might be more fun for them to all just make characters together? And maybe they, because they, they don't know how to, maybe they tell them what they want to make or yeah, what they want to do. I, I would take the MOOC model, and that is, tell me what your characters like and what they're good at. Don't worry about the about rules. Tell me what they're good at. Tell me what they like to do. That's not D&D, though. That, I mean, that yeah. specifically for GURPS, that would work awesome. You know what I mean? But, I mean, what I'm, what I, here's what I'm wondering. Not, not that handing them pregens is wrong, but... I wonder if they're going to have maybe more investment in the character yeah. if they made the character themselves. That's if my they thought. actually physically rolled the dice for the stats themselves. But, but, you know, using that, what Jib was just saying, you could do that in D&D because you find out what kind they're good of. at. If you use the standard array, the 8, okay, 10, yeah, 12, yeah. 13, 14, 15, you can say, okay, well, you want your character to be really good at breaking down shit. So right. we're going to take this 15... And, and put we're going to put it in strength. Right. What else do you see your character being really <coughs> good at? And mm-hmm. then, you know, you can just take that standard array and right. I yeah. think assign to I that. Think I think you could totally yeah. do that. I think that's important because it will give them ownership of the character. It'll also help them get an idea of what all these numbers mean. I think right. even more than having them walk through the, the assigning attributes is have them walk through the background stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Is is but maybe even quasi role play some of that stuff as you're as they're rolling would, through yeah. it, kind of yeah. like we do with Trevor. One thing I've yeah. had success with in the past with new players is uh, give them a pre-gen character that is the same type of thing that they've been talking about wanting to do, and then mm. do a, a real quick thirty-minute solo adventure with them that walks them through. Here's how you do a fight. Here's how you do, but make it a story for them, mm-hmm. and it becomes part of their backstory for their character. Yeah, if you have the kind of time to, if do you that, have the time, absolutely. If you have the time, but that, I mean, it, it, you have a grave responsibility. You've got brand new, brand new people, so no pressure. A lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would make big the the single biggest thing I would recommend: make it happy for them. Make yep. it fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, to touch on that pressure thing, it's not like everything this guy does is going to shape the future. No, of, 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 no. of but the one thing that we think about that at all. The, the one thing that will shape the future, though, <laughs> is whether they had fun or not. Exactly, that yeah. is the one thing. Um, Mook and I were talking, and on Friday, when he ran his game at the con on Friday, he had a couple of players who'd had some really bad experiences with GURPS. Mm-hmm. A lot and of they people were almost had bad experiences like, with GURPS. I, I was hesitant to play this game because it was GURPS. And they came away from Mook's game going, oh my god, that was awesome! I'm going to go buy the books! That was fabulous! <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you know, know. Someone just brought up an interesting point. Uh, JPK, uh, get color-coded dice. So instead of a dice being all the same set, Okay, the red one is a D8. The blue one is a D10. Roll the I mean, yellow especially one. Especially for brand new characters, yeah. yeah. brand new players, they're always like, we look at dice and we say, okay, that's a that's an eight and that's a that's a ten. Most people would like, I uh, can't really tell what the difference is between those two. Yeah, exactly. The right. twelve well, and the twenty. But if you say roll okay, a D20, if, they if you if you make up sets, it's like, okay, all the D8s are red. Yeah. So pick up a red one and a pick blue one. Red and roll one. Right. I want to yeah. address something yeah. in the chat real quick. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Johnny Pacifist said Jib is talking about blue booking. Uh, I'm talking about something much less formal than right, yeah, yeah. But yes, I, um, I see the corollary you're drawing, right. but I'm talking about something less formal. The other thing is, I would make it sort of an event. Make sure that you know you have snacks and and that everybody goes there, and that and you you want to make sure that they have a good time with the character creation as well. I would almost I I don't know if you're familiar with Traveler. I would almost try to make it a group event. It'll it'll solve a lot of problems if you make everybody's characters separately. They're gonna not I would have make them, together. I, I think, make them together. I think I think for it, for a campaign, <laughs> characters should always be made together. Always, always, always. I think so, too. I agree. This yeah. should be session zero of the of the campaign. Right. Is we're going to make characters. I bring that up just you know because... What? For you might new be- players, though, you ne- you got to get them through an adventure of some kind. Sure. Something. You can't... I, bra- I, don't, you get I will buy that. Brand new players, I think they're... I would think that the, your turnover rate and your, your rate of not coming back for the second session, if all they did was make characters... Well, that's my... That's my point. I was yeah. I was saying that you want to you want to make character creation, but you also it needs to lead into something pretty quick. You can't. And I would I would I would do it together. You know, like if you're gonna so like if you're gonna have roles. Here's okay. a, here's an idea. Here's, I'm sorry. Good. No, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> okay, well I'll, I'll go ahead then. <laughs> so I just had a thought and it leapt out. I here's, here's something I used to do when when I ran Fudge a lot because way back in the day I was huge into Fudge, uh-huh. monstrously big into Fudge, and that was. We would sit down, we would come up with a name for the characters, and then we would start the game. And at the first encounter, oh. at the first encounter, depending on the choices they make, that's where you start assigning aspects of the character. Then you say, 
Oh, you want to run up and hit it with a sword. So you're a fighter, right? Fighter in class. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and you, you, oh, you want to cast a spell at it? Okay, you're going to write magic user, and then let's figure out what spells you have real quick. And Great, that- use the magic missile spell. And then that way, you're integrating the character creation with that first session. Genius. So by the time it's done... Yeah, that, that's actually exactly the where I was headed, which is... Maybe you want to like sketch in some I things about their characters. You know, not not detail them, not work out all the stuff, but just like sketch in some stuff and yeah. say, "Okay, now go. Mm-hmm. Let, now let's now let's have a little. You know, how long how long do you guys think it would take to make a basic you know, a five E character with using the basic PDF rules? Uh, ten, twenty minutes, ten minutes, ten twenty minutes. Okay, yeah, so it's, so it's, we're not talking a huge amount. So let's no. say for the bunch of new people, it takes. Forty-five minutes. That still leaves you two, three hours to do an adventure. And you can, or you can, happen. you can get through portions of that very quickly. Say, okay, everyone, grab four d six. You're going to roll them six times, pull out the lowest yeah. die, and write down those numbers. Yeah, you know, yeah. And get that stuff. You can get that going real fast. And if you're using the basic book, you can print out extra copies of it. Yeah, yeah. everyone's got. Oh, you're um, you're going to be a fighter. Here's the here's the fighter section. Read through these three things right here. Going back to the chat for a second, Balder uh, made a couple of comments that I wanted to to mm-hmm. talk about. Um, he said again, most players can't make good, well-rounded, or most new players can't make good, well-rounded, interesting characters. New players probably need to work with archetypes. And then he said the worst outcome comes from having the players look at abilities, feats, and other stuff. They end up with a set of stats instead of a character. A couple of things. Yeah. One, who cares? What difference does it make? They they built a thing. They they yeah. made a thing. Let them play that, and then they're going to learn, and then they're going to come back and go, oh well, you know, maybe I wanted to do this to do this other thing a little bit instead. Don't set let, the characters in stone. Let yeah. them. Sure. Let them. Yeah. Now, let them refactor. It's fine. It's not a problem. I let agree. them go. And, yeah. and, and, and I mean, I think a, a good GM is going to get them to see their character beyond the numbers and the stats. There's a lot right. of very experienced players who've been playing longer than I have who still look at a character sheet and, and it's As nothing, nothing but, but stats. stats. And that, that's something right. I've, I've tried yeah. to influence all players to do when they're making a character is I don't I don't try care. to figure out who he is. Who, the, who is? It. Tell me who this character is as a person. Right, that's right. the hardest thing for me when I'm playing. I just now. How many sessions have I played the character that since that Bill killed? One, yeah, no, the new one. Huh? <laughs> Three, I think. Okay, I'm just now kind of figuring out who who he is personality. Sounds about and, right. Yeah, that's and let them just sketch that in. Don't have, don't make them come up with a bunch of details. Um, I've related stories about this character before. One of the best characters I ever built. His entire beginning concept was he's a dwarf fighter. Right. That's it. That's yeah. I needed a character in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, he's a dwarf fighter. Yeah. But over the course of the next several game sessions, some things started to come to light about who he was as a person, and I wove those into his story. And I actually reached a point where I was like, ah, I wish I'd made him as a cleric instead of a fighter. And I went, you know what? This is going to be fun. He wants to be a cleric. He yeah. wishes he could be a cleric, but he's he doesn't. He he he's not he's not wise enough for that. He doesn't. He's not good enough at, at what he's good at is hitting things. Right. Um, and so he became a he was a fighter his entire career, but he was a fighter who was very devout, and like um, he would join a, a group. And and say yes, I will go help you with this thing. However, there are four of us. There are five shares of treasure, one for each of us, and one for my God. Yeah, yeah. 
The final thing I want to say on this is sometimes role playing can be a little intimidating to new people. You know, they feel like a bunch of idiots sitting around pretending to, you know, putting on silly voices and things. But sometimes people really embrace it. Uh, keep an eye out as a GM on, a, on you know, you're going to have to feel out the group and see how they feel about it. But I would encourage them, you know, instead of saying, uh, I want to pick the lock, you, you, you say, well, how do you want to do that? Or I want to talk to the barkeep about, all right, go ahead, ask or encourage them to talk to each other as well. Right. I think that that will give them a better idea of what a role-playing game is as opposed to just playing Clue. One sure. of the best questions that ever got asked of me as a player was from a, a truly spectacular GM who when I said I wanted to do a thing, he said, oh, tell me what that looks like. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Stu, mm-hmm. when uh, when you played GURPS and you did character creation, did you ever let your players just say, I'm going to take 40 points of disads and five quirks and then fill those in later as the yes. game went Yes, yes. Yeah. Quirks, we almost always did that with. I, I, I liked them to start with some disads, mm-hmm. to have something. To have something, But yeah. I had, I've, and also I've had people like say, you know, I, was, I, had, I put down gluttony, but... It's not really fitting. I'm going to change it to this. Change it to something because I'm doing that anyway. I know? think the last yeah. time we played Gerps, you just you said you have to have a disad. You don't have to tell me what it is yet, but at some point you can. And and I think that's a great. It's just it's a, the point. The point minus or the point cost is there, but we haven't fully decided what it is. And sure enough, halfway at some point in the game, I came up with a sure with a disad. Right. That's, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because <clears throat> like you just said, you don't really even know what your full character is, but until two three sessions in, not really. Not unless, unless I mean, unless you show up with the I don't play that often, but yeah. I, I mean, and, and in Traveler, you don't get a character concept. No, you roll, you, yep. you 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 figure out the character concept once you've got the skeleton of the backstory exactly. and the pile of stats, and you go, uh, okay, what's how did this guy get from here from there? Yeah. Right, and what kind of fucked up person is he now? I, <laughs> I find with Traveler, I can't really do anything about the character's personal tra- you know journey to this point. Until I get to the end, because then I right. have to go back and look at what happened during character evolution and go, okay, now how can I weave this together to make a coherent story? Right. But that's just me. There, it's not the only. Certainly not the only. Sometimes the trouble. That's that's the trick with the GM and you are working on the, to get these desperate threads and try to figure out a through line between them. Because sometimes when you roll up, you're like, I don't know how I would have robbed a bank and then gone on into the police force. I don't know how those work, but ah, uh, that happened. Yeah. Right. Um, Let's let's so, let's go on because I got great em- great question um, out of print and good luck with your game. Yeah. yeah, good luck with your game and happy birthday again. Yeah, the, the studio is booked in about forty minutes. So. All right, I'll <laughs> read the next one. <laughs> All right. When it's okay, expected to, or, to ignore character concepts from Nicholas. Happy greetings from Snowy Sweden. Yeah. A long time ago yeah. in a Warhammer fantasy campaign far far away, I had this dilemma as a player in a fairly inexperienced group. Introduction. He has little headers like it's a newspaper article. My group encountered a powerful necromancer while my PC was getting killed by his undead minions many rooms away. A heroic and glorious death. My metagaming party convinced the necromancer to spare my life. I presume dead was very far off. So, the horde of magic-enforced ghouls carried me to them. It's about... It's about time to introduce my PC, basically the Punisher, Marvel, who had his family killed by undeads. A useless wizard who, by mistake, only learned necromatic slash chaotic spells while reading up on the enemy. He wouldn't use these strong evil spells, so he wielded a big-ass crossbow instead. For this adventure, my PC had received multiple visions, both from his god and the local shaman, uh, that he was destined to save the town from evil undead. His mindset was pretty straight on. My Dilemma. 
My MinMax group had spent quite some time getting to know the necromancer boss when my struggling PC was carried through the door by the minions. He could sense the powerful magic and he knew battle would surely kill us. At that time, my munchkin party had turned the boss into an MMO quest-giver sending us off to kill an equally strong necromancer. He gave us special magical weapons, bettering our odds, and it's about now the GM informs me that I have been standing quietly in the corner and should come and pick up my weapons. I asked, what happened to the half dozen undeads men handling my struggling PC? And they simply seemed to have left. So, finally, the dilemma. Should I retcon or should I recon my actions due to the miscommunication to jump, jump the boss, surely resulting in a TPK? Or should I just let it go, making some bullshit excuse for letting the campaign continue? Uh, I'll, I'll read the whole thing. And the aftermath. I did make up the excuse for my PC being in shock from seeing my friends siding with the enemy, and I couldn't blame them for saving my life. All back to normal? No. This is something that kept bothering me as it went against his very core. So, why did I do it? One munchkinet forgot his character sheet was playing a less powerful version of his PC. I thought it unfair to him to be killed by my character's obsessions. No disads were in uh, World uh, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy. Warhammer Fantasy, thank you. Mm-hmm. And since none of our PCs had ever died, we all thought of it to be quite a big deal. What do you guys think? What liberties should one take with character concepts in order to keep them alive? Is it ever worth the cost? Should things such as GM miscommunication and player fuck-ups affect the decision? Uh, how much How much yes and from Bevan? Well, that's mm. the next one. That's the next one. Oh, that's sorry. Next okay. ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, okay. all these headers. Um, well, my first thought is either depending on what you want to happen down the road in the game, what you want to have happen in the story. Um, I have said repeatedly, and I will continue to say, sometimes we make decisions for character reasons. Sometimes we make decisions for player reasons. Party reasons. And sometimes we make decisions because we're playing a fucking game. Yeah. And all of those are perfectly valid, depending on where you want to get to. Right. Um, You know... I can see it being totally appropriate for him to go, uh, no, my family was killed by undead, I will not suffer a necromancer to live, and here we go, dice on the table, please. I can also see him going, you know what, I'm a player in a game and I don't want to screw this up for the other players, and so you know what, I'm just going to ride with it. I've been in that situation myself. I've done all three of those examples I've you gave done, in one game. Yeah, I've <laughs> done all three of them, and all three of them are perfectly valid. It's really a question of what do you want to happen down the road in the game. And so not not just in the game, but with the people who are sitting around the table with you. I was exactly. going to say, Possibly. Was, right. sometimes, exactly. sometimes preserving your friendship with the people you're playing right. with might be more important than actually following your character's motivations. In the chat room, <laughs> Temujin says, when in doubt, TPK. Tabajin doesn't have any friends anymore (laughs) I need a t-shirt that says that though (coughs) When in doubt, TPK TPK. Has to happen I think um, Either either the podcast has A huge number of Fans in Sweden Or I think that uh, There was an email from This guy a couple weeks back Mm -hmm. uh, Something about an assassin on a Pegasus I think when the girl Remember that vaguely, yeah. yeah Um, I think this ties in a lot to uh, what you talk about a lot is, would my character do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's that's what this person has to come to an understanding about is, as Jib was saying, is this something that his character feels strongly enough about 
to go ahead and attack well, the necromancer and make that TPK happen. I've I've literally not followed motivations because for various reasons it's late. Uh, other people haven't had a chance to play. Uh, I'm just whatever. I've literally just said I'm just going to sit back and let the, you know somebody else go. Especially when you have a really large party. Yeah, like we have with a four E. Oh yeah. So uh, yes, it's nice. The ideally you would say I'm going to follow all my motivations, but. I get it. There are times when it's that's annoying. It's times when it takes up too much time. It's times when you're stealing the spotlight at every turn. Uh, there's sometimes there's other players who who are just are getting pissed off at you. So sometimes you just need to back off. You know, yeah. I, I, all of that stuff plays into it. So you just have to to I guess judge it situation by situation. I was playing a character in Mook's Supernatural game, and the way the character was set up. It was his family's destiny to kill monsters, to kill these supernatural monsters. So in his mind, it was his place, it was his purpose. Right. And it was so it was totally cool for him to be put in danger to try to kill these monsters. However, these other people were not. Mm. They were just, you know, people. That was they shouldn't he they were the people he was supposed to be trying to protect. Right. Okay? <clears throat> and the problem is that that put him in the mindset of, oh, there's a monster. I'm going to go kill the mo- go deal with the monster and not even let them know about it. Mm-hmm. And the the problem I ran into as a player was, well, if I do that, I am totally in keeping with the character's mindset and what the character would do. However, I'm going to ruin the game for the other players. Exactly. Because I'm going to cut them out of the game. Yep. And so I made the player decision, and, and this took two parts for me. I made the player decision, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going <clears> to <throat> bring everybody into this equation so we all get to kill the monster. And then, after the game, I went, okay, so having done that, how am I going to refactor my character right. so that it it fits what this has to happen? And I, I did a couple of things. One, I had him realize, and this is you know me thinking in my own little brain housing group, um, I had him realize that this is my destiny, but they chose to do this. Right. They chose to embrace that destiny. And they're capable people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, ended up doing this whole thing where I, because my character was, was Japanese, uh, kind of a modern day samurai sort of guy. And I ended up, I bought a bottle of sake and... Um, took it to the game, and did a whole sake ceremony with the other characters in, in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to make the player decision that I was not going to fuck the game up for the other players. Well, you know, you, you do bring up a point that happens in the real world, too. If you're climbing Mount Everest, you're not doing it alone. You right. can't just say, oh, fuck you guys, I'm not tired anymore, and march off. You have to make concessions with the group. Right. And, yeah. and so when you're in a group, even though you might have personal motivations, you're still a group, and you have to consider their feelings and stuff as well. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's kind, of, that's kind of the problem with um, a lot of people who pl- tend to play rogue characters is they want to go off and do things on their own, like right. what you're talking about. Right. And it really, really need to stop and think about your character concept. When your character is the guy who's going to go off and do something alone, or in this case, is going to, like, oh no, I'm going to fight this guy regardless of the consequences or whether it's going right. to cause a TPK. Really need to, instead of thinking my character wouldn't do that, think why am I playing this character? Right. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Should maybe I rejigger the character a little bit and, and make him a little less antisocial and maybe a little more well accepting and welcoming of other people? Uh, right. I agree. <laughs> um, ne- you, okay. 
I think we make a mistake as players when we go, well, I have written this character concept, and by fucking God, this is what the characters will be forever and always. If you reach a point where you're in kind of, in not feeling it, even if it's just like, I'm not feeling this thing about this character, never be afraid to go, you know what, I'm going to step back and refactor that, because it's not working. Characters, much like people, are dynamic, changing things. Yeah. And uh, in, in the game we're playing with Bruce, I just refactored a bunch of stuff on oh, yeah. on my character because it just wasn't making sense for me, and sure. it wasn't working, yeah. and I wasn't... Gina I was having... asked me that exact question this morning. Yeah. She said, can I go back and and refactor my Pathfinder character a little bit? Because, yeah. yeah, this thing's not working for me. And it was a, a level of a class she took when she originally created the character, and I went, yeah, go ahead. That's yeah. always kind of Make the fun happen. of a long-running campaign is your character growth anyway. Maybe yeah. your character starts out as your fighter, and then he ends up a pacifist towards the end of the game, yeah. or the end of the campaign. Your character has grown and changed. It's not completely stuck with that. I'm, right. I'm a big yeah. fan of that. Anyway, we've and got more to read, <laughs> yes? Yeah. yeah. Do how, how much yes and from Bevan? Who wants to read that? I'll oh. get it. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Happy Jackers, I have a question that comes up because... I have a question that comes up, becomes, I fear, I could be the subject of a gaming horror story by a former player. Bum, bum. Oh, man. That would suck. We've already decided that I'm not a good match as a GM for this player, but I'd like some input on how much yes and is too much, not enough, or just right for Baby Bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I GM a Pathfinder game and am blessed with a number of creative, enthusiastic, and proactive players. Um, that doesn't lend its easily lend itself to allowing relative, a relatively low-level PC to accomplish bold feats of daring do, though high-level PCs bloated on spells and magic, items and feats, can do all sorts of shit to fuck up the NPCs and their schemes. I recently had a player who, in a series of scenes, wanted to do things that were clearly addressed by the mechanics, and that could not be accomplished by their current capabilities and resources, whether it was how much will it cost me to craft this magical item of awesomeness to what's required for me to figure out how to set up a trap that will collapse the entire shipyard to I'd like to steal this thing, cast this spell, dive under a table, crawl out, pull down the bad guy's pants, throw his most prized possession into a spittoon, and then run out of the room, all without being seen and all in a single round of combat. Wow. The, the type of things she wanted to do might have been feasible in some other system, Savage Worlds perhaps, or Fate, or even in this system if her PC had been more advanced. But at her PC's level in this system, they were not. I knew that, knew that when I set out, I knew that when I set out the rules. Blah. It came across very much as if the GM was trying to figure out a way to keep the PC from accomplishing awesome acts of awesomeness. Rather than yes ending, I ended up saying no. And not only that, no once more. I like for the PCs to be awesome and to really fuck over the NPCs, but I find it hard to reconcile my choice to use rules, my choice to use rule set, and the player's choice to join a campaign using that rule set. Yes, ending myself into ignoring some very basic game mechanics. Uh, this understandably frustrated her, and as I noted, we parted ways. But it left me wondering: should I have relaxed the rules and let her accomplish? things she should not have. And if so, then where do I draw the line when she, or another player, wants to do something else even more dramatically outside the rules? Related question that comes from another game, another GM, and a different player. I once saw a GM, not me, 
allow PCs to do something that was expressly against the rules because it lent itself to a more cinematic approach to a combat. And in the exact same fight, when an NPC opponent tried to do the exact same thing, the two players, neither of them me, immediately started shouting about how that wasn't possible under the rules. <laughs> I'm going to address that point myself. In a yeah, if a GM yes-ands a relaxation of the rules to promote PC awesomeness, is it also fair to allow NPCs to take advantage of the same relaxation of the rules? Any advice that would keep me from the role of shame for shit GMs would be greatly appreciated. Uh, before you, we launch into this, I, I have a question. I don't. Maybe you guys got it out of this. Was there a level disparity difference? Well, that's, between that's what someone in the in the chat room just asked. Because that's yeah. what exactly. it seems to me. It seems I get to me the that, impression that there was that they that they start they started this character at a lower level while the other PCs were at a higher level. Yeah, which I think is the root of the problem right there. Well, I think that's part if of it. If that's the point, I think that's, that's part of it, and I think that's the case. And that <clears> would be, in my opinion, a GM mistake. Um. If you have 10th level characters, and you bring in someone new, and you bring them in at first level... That's retarded. That's yeah. stupid. That's a yeah. bad idea. Yeah. Because you've you got this that. disconnect that you're never, ever going to be able to really resolve. No, they're playing Pathfinder, and everybody just... I mean, they, they expand exponentially, so even right. like a three-level difference might be broad enough, it depending is, on your characters. Yes, it you, could really be unbalanced. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that's the case. He doesn't say. I don't either. But I kind of. It uh, could also be someone who came maybe comes from a more freeform game, gaming background, right? And and is trying to do something that maybe isn't covered in the rules. I don't don't know. Even so, if you're coming from freeform, I'd like to steal this ring, cast a spell, dive under table, crawl up, pull down the guy's pants, throw his most precious position, put it in the room. (laughs) All that they all in a single round of combat is too much. Yes, and yes, too much. I once played a game. It was a cyberpunky game, and I told the GM. I said. Uh, we were breaking into some facility, and I said, okay, I want to sneak past the guards, ultimately disable the security system, go into the, the secured server room, pull out a hard drive, replace it with the second hard drive I bought, and then sneak out. He says, okay, roll two-sided dice. Two ten-sided dice. I rolled two ten-sided dice. I said, okay, you do it. I was like, what? what? But well, I, that was like um. 80 things that I did. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. Was that a sidebar? No, no, no. That no, was wasn't. at the table. Everyone yeah. sitting there, but I was... But the, was it was it something that you went off and did on your own? We were that that had to happen. All of that stuff was part of the party. Oh, a grander scheme, the grand yeah, okay. scheme of right. things. Yeah. <clears throat> every game system, every one of them, somewhere in the rules has this is how much stuff you can do in right. this amount yeah. of time. Yes. And if you want to exceed that, you start running into problems. Right. My opinion, Savage Worlds does the best job of dealing with that, and that's like, oh, you want to do eight things. That's cool. minus eight on everything. It's minus eight on yeah. all of them, but rock that. Rock that shit, and if you make that happen, you fucking earned it. Yeah, here's right. a Benny. Right. Yeah. You know, um, but a- as a GM, there is a point in time, if a player came to me and said, okay, I want to do this and this and this and this and this, I'm like, okay, cool. You just gave, told me what you want to do for the next eight rounds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I Bevan's in here. Uh, he said there is no level disparity in this particular combat. The problem was she wanted to take on a higher level NPC. Ah. Okay. Um, well, she was trying to fight something that was basically not beyond way her, out right. of her. She was trying right. to hedge her bets. Well, I mean, it, there's a what f- following the rules is not yes ending or no budding. Right. It's just 
you want to try something, there's a resolution mechanic here to do that. Right. If she wants to try to fight an NPC that's... Now, if you said, no, you can't f- take have that fight because you're not strong enough to kill her, well, that's fucked up. But you say, yeah, go ahead and attack the NPC. Rock on, try that. We have a combat resolution system. If you can we make will that find work. out whether or not you will, you will succeed. You might not, and depending on the disparity, you probably won't. Yeah. But I won't stop you from trying. I so I, I don't think I have, you did anything wrong. I have used the illustration many many times. If you want, if a character wants to try to jump over the Grand Canyon, rock that. Here's what it's going to take for that to happen. Sure. And and I usually use Savage Worlds. It's like, well, okay, you can do that, but that's a minus twenty on that die. Whatever, whatever you decide to make, which it. is not. Unattainable in it's Savage Worlds. Not rules. unattainable. And if they go, okay, I've seen well, the I have, rolls higher than that many times. <laughs> I have a D8 jump. I roll. Ooh, I explode. Ooh, I explode. Ooh, I explode. You just made you, it. You, you know what? <laughs> By God, tell me what it looks like when you jumped over the fucking Grand Canyon because I want to hear what that's like. And then Pathfinder, you could just like if you roll a natural twenty, okay. You know I'll what? You got it. it. Make that happen. Right. I want to see that. But I would then also hand it back to them and say, okay, you tell me what that looks like. Um, but, but to answer know. his point, I mean, if he, she was taking on a, an NPC, she clearly had no business fighting. Oh no! He, he well, he went on to explain. It says, "Nope." Told her she could try if she wanted to, and he started kicking her ass. But we ended up in a rules debate about why he can't do that. Yeah, that okay, Bevan. I'm just gonna make. Yeah, I don't think I'm just gonna make a statement here, and I might be wrong, but uh, I, I put this one on her. Yeah, she was trying. She was trying to bully the you as a GM, and was trying to bully the, the game. Yeah. And so she could get her own little, um, you know, play of, of what, you know, her little little fantasy played out as. And I'm sorry, wanting is not always having. Yeah. Right. But yeah, now, that's, that's why I, I think when she threw out this list of all the things she wanted to do in one single round of combat, saying, uh, nah, I right. think that's okay. Yeah, so, that's... I would it would have been totally cool to say, oh, you want to try to do all those things? That's you know going to take you this many rounds to do that. Well, sure, but at, and each one point, is a separate check. Savage Rules has that mechanic for that. D and D five or Pathfinder. Well, you just split it yeah. up across rounds. Yeah, you, you'd have you to just, split it across, split it up yeah. across yeah. rounds. Exactly, Bevan. It sounds to me like you made the right decision. It sounds yeah. it sounds to me like this was the type of person that will constantly be doing this to you, no matter what you did. Uh, you're probably right. I, I, th- I think you took the moral high road by saying we're just not a good fit. And that's, yeah. you yeah. know what? That's actually better than a lot of people who write into this place because they're afraid to even do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys decided to part ways amicably before it turned into a, a yeah. fist fight. And I, everybody I agree. I totally think Bevan did the right thing. I did want to uh, address um, his last paragraph, which was mm-hmm. uh, another question, another game, another GM. Um, and it. The PCs wanted to do so- something outside the rules to the NPCs, but when the NPCs wanted to do that back, if it's good it. enough for the PCs, it's good, good enough, enough for, for the, the NPCs. NPCs. Sure, yeah, every time, uh, absolutely. You know, and yep. so it's like, oh, you want to <clears throat> be able to whip out of thin air the awesome gun of awesomeness? Cool. Um, the NPCs just whipped up the awesome cannon of oh. fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like that scene in the Bugs Bunny cartoon where he shows up with a pistol and then they come they back with a rifle and exactly. a cannon and then a exactly. howitzer. Yeah, yeah. If uh, it's if it's good enough for the PCs, it's good enough for the NPCs yeah. every time. And and Temujin, he wasn't trying. That wasn't the Grand Canyon. He was trying to jump Snake River Canyon. Uh, Although he, I think ultimately uh, 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 he wanted to jump. Uh, 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 we're talking about yeah. Evil Knievel. Evil yeah. Knievel. Yeah. He wanted to jump. I think he wanted to jump the Grand, the Grand Canyon. Canyon. I think he. 
tried once. No, he, well, he only no. I don't think River. he did much after Snake River. Snake River is the one where the parachute came out halfway halfway down. That was a Snake River. He wanted to jump the Grand Canyon, but never tried. Right. I don't think he did much after the Snake River jump. Not really, Bevan. Yeah, she probably wouldn't be happy in my fate game either. It doesn't sound like she'd be happy in anybody's game. Well, who knows? That's who knows? true. I'm making um, generalizations. I, I do agree. I do agree with Stork, though. He he did the right thing by saying this isn't going to work out. Yeah, right. that's a lot better than you know just saying from a couple of episodes ago. Uh, we're just going <laughs> to go ahead and keep playing on a different day and not tell this other dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right. No. Much no. Better. Don't yeah. take the passive aggressive route. <laughs> you know, be be honest and straightforward. That's not, with passive, them. That's not passive aggression. That's because there's no aggression. That's just avoidance. That's okay, just avoidance. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still it's a lie. Yeah, that's okay. You're still being Lies dishonest. Are okay. Yeah, Lies are fine. Do I look fat in these jeans? Yes. No. <laughs> no, you look great. <laughs> Lies are okay. Lies make life go smooth. I don't know where, where you guys are. <laughs> uh, Eldamy, actual play from Michael. Do you want to read that since that's your game, or do you want me to read it? It doesn't matter. I can totally read it. Don't matter to me. Okay, this is Eldamy, actual play from Michael. Stu and the Eldamy crew. Michael now from Wisconsin. Now with more whisk- with with no that that now with more cheese, now with more cheese. That's right. Yes, I just wanted to thank you for running this game and sharing it. I've been listening to another group playing low level five e after being fourth edition players for a while, and the whole time they are bitching about not having superheroes at first and second level, <laughs> <laughs> and about how the rules in a different edition of the game don't work the same way they did in an earlier edition. Yeah, I love I that your players are focusing on enjoying the game, and when they have. Uh, and when they have old rules in their head that don't match the new rules, they take the change as not the worst thing in the history of ever. It doesn't help that the DM is running the starter set module and is reading a lot of the DM instruction as if it were box text, so the game is less engaging than their regular game. Again, I wanted to thank you for presenting the new edition of D&D in an open-minded and engaging way. Thank you, Michael. So, (laughs) the DM saying, the players run into a 5x5 five five room with four columns going down the middle, and there is a scorpion in the other corner of the room, which has armor <laughs> class 5 and four hit dice, which will surprise the characters on... Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a testament to Stu yeah. as a GM, and, and because you have the greatest players ever, Stu. That, that, that's what makes a good actual play, is great players. Yeah. yeah. Well, it makes a good it game. It makes a great, great, great game, yeah. yeah. I have heard nothing but good about your games. Oh, I, I love the Eldemy, uh, listening to the Eldemy game. It's a lot of fun. I'm putting myself first in line for the next time there's an well, opening, we, damn we, it. I'm going to start, I'm gonna start a, a, another playtested moment of truth. Yeah, a I, different one. I actually downloaded You're not going to kill off no, no, the one we're no, already doing, No, I, do I will that. cut you. No, I want to I continue. <laughs> I, I have the that whole next session... Prepped. We just got to get together and do it. Fair is coming. Yep. I and know. Then, yeah. I know. We won't be able to do it until after fair. But <laughs> it may not happen until after fair. But, but I guess I do want to go back I, to that. We need to finish that game because I know we're at a great spot. There too. are things that have to be resolved. I have to see what Taylor does. <laughs> How many unfinished games do you have oh, in your repertoire? All, right, all of them. All of them. Oh, there's still an. I can't even. Begin still an L5R game. That's that's, that's the Inukai, right? Yeah. 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 We got a lot of stuff to get through here. Yeah, we, yeah, we should go. Okay, right. Uh, got some dice, got some questions, Matt in Ontario. Uh, but to me, yeah. Greetings, yeah. Happy Jacks, Zers. Uh, first, I want, I want to let you know I visited uh, your show sponsor, Easy Roll of Dice. Got some really great dice. I wanted to point out that I live in Canada and the shipping was still free. Great deal. Thanks for that. My next question. Have any of the gang 
that are also parents introduce their kids to gaming. My own kids are too young to play now, uh, but they both see parents doing it every Sunday night. I'm hoping it's just a matter of time before my son asks to join us. I know there are a few games that are aimed at kids, uh, but I'm I'm really wondering is what it, it, if you guys have any advice for gamer mom and dad team. Matt ooh, Ontario. Ooh, 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 ooh. Go, Rorschach. Mr. Kata, Mr. Kata. So um, I introduced uh, my stepson to gaming a couple of years back, and I started with um, Swords and Wizardry White Box. I'm kind of a old school fan myself, and this mm-hmm. is a, a retro clone of Zero Edition Dungeons and Dragons, the old white. Yeah, the, right. Uh, yeah, we mentioned it a few times on the cast. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. He fully got into it. Um, we we made a character. He decided to opt for a cleric, mm-hmm. and he called him Aragorn. We had just seen Lord of the Rings, so he's like, Aragorn. <laughs> as you do, cleric, as you do. And uh, he had a, a great time. Um, there was a, a lot of uh, you know, as I mentioned to Jib a couple minutes ago here. There was a lot of leading that I had to do. Okay, so you're going down into a cave. I was just a I just did a basic dungeon crawler. Sure. Yeah. So you're going into a cave. What do you think you should do first? Uh, walk in. Well. Maybe do you want to light a torch or see if you have a lantern so you can see in there? Because it's very really dark. dark. It's very, very dark. dark. Very dark and very scary. And so, it, But it was very fun because after a while he started picking up on that yeah. and, uh, and, and just going with it. And now um, you can still get White Box, which would be a great starter. There's also a new game that I've been paying attention to out there called um, Far Away Land, mm-hmm. which is a, a very, very simple system. Uh, and and it has really great evocative artwork. The kids are going to love. Okay. <laughs> and now, there's hero hero kids. Hero kids. And hero kids. So uh, what's the one that's kind of a, a riff on uh, uh, Scooby Doo? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. What the hell is that? Those game meddling called? kids. Those meddling, Those meddling, kids. meddling kids. I think it's there's also um, one of the original publishers of Swords and Wizardry White Box came out with Dagger for kids. And it is a, a, a old school feel game specifically for kids. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Jib has talked many times about indo- his kids have just picked up role playing games because he played them all the time. And I had a similar story with my oldest daughter. I didn't really push it on her, but since I role played and stuff, she's kind of picked it up, and now she's part of the RPG group. But I, I wanted to point out an interesting thing that happened at work the other day. Somebody was talking about how his daughter just came home one day and said, "I want to play this D and D thing." So. Uh, there's a new there, kids are, are are it's on kids radar where it never really used to be for the longest time and they're actually talking to their friends. Uh, Witness uh, the con had two, over two thousand people right. show up. Mm-hmm. So this gaming thing is is back on a full swing. I think at it least might for be. the time being. Uh, yeah, and I think more and more kids are aware of it. Maybe more aware of it than we know. Yeah, or, or con yeah. broke two thousand for the first time since the like early nineties. That's what they were saying. Yeah, um, yeah, and like Stork was was saying. I was always running games when my kids were young, and I'd be in the kitchen running the game, and they would huddle in their in one of their bedrooms next to the vent because they could hear. Uh, they could hear the game nice. through the you vent. You mention that story all the time, but even just even if they're not listening to the game, you know, daddy goes away in games, or daddy has this gaming group that comes over, and they may not even be listening, but it just becomes yeah. it's okay in their world to have it's, a gaming it's group. Okay. And it's okay. It's what yeah. people do, and they. If the kids see you having fun doing this thing, even if it's they're not watching the game itself, but 
but they're hearing you and your wife talking about it, and you're talking about how much fun it was, and how mm-hmm. they're going to want to do that. And they'll be more aware of it at school when somebody says, "Yeah, you know, yeah. I, was, I was my dad has this D and D group," and I think they're like, oh, "My dad does too," and you'd be um, surprised just because it, it's part of their normal world, they're more aware of it. Then we probably even give them credit. Yeah, and ping exactly. a demon lord earns his wings. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes unless does. unless you're my stepdaughter, in which case she just. Shakes her head and walks away. Oh, that's, well, that's, well, my, no, that's okay. That's my daughter too. Yeah, that, yeah. That's okay too. Because the eye em- rolling, three of mine bruised the right, top of Emily, her Emily, you want to play? Three of mine ended up being <laughs> gamers, and two of them are kind of like, eh, whatevs. Um, but I had a thought, and it went away. Um, well, of course, with my stepdaughter, I could say, Emily, do you want a million dollars, and all you have to do is give me a hug? And she'd go. What I was going to say was, I was going. When my kids were high school age, um, my middle son came home one day and said, Hey, um, buddy of mine at school who didn't know that that you know we were a gaming family was like, he was talking about wanting to play D&D because he'd, he'd heard about it and, you know, read some. And, and I said, could he, like, come and join our game on Saturday? And I was like, yep, bring him. Bring him. Yeah. Bring him. Bring him. We'll make that happen. Oh, yeah. And... Um, he was like, oh my god, I heard about this, but I never knew it was so much fun, oh my god! And, you know, a gamer is born. And a demon lord earns his wings. I also <laughs> think that kids are getting, they're more aware of uh, maybe the role-playing type of genre because of video games. It's just oh, yeah. more, oh, much, so. much more in their zeitgeist yeah. than it used to be when we were young, when we oh, had yeah. none of that. Oh yeah, It was the, really fringe. Back when, almost for us, it, it was by sure chance, if you might realize there's something called role-playing games. Yeah, yeah. Right, oh, yeah. yeah. And now you've got, you've got, um, uh, uh, Minecraft and and what's the other one? A Wizard War. War yeah, Wizards. that's right. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, it's that one with the yeah, the Wizard School. It's like a Wizard School. Yeah. Wizard, and, and I think it's Wizard oh, Wizard One Hundred One. Wizard One Hundred One. Yes, yeah. thank you. And that leads up into yeah. your your worlds of Warcraft well, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. The, Which the, the digital universe has made gaming much more Main- acceptable yeah. and mainstream. Yeah. It's cool to be a geek now. It's cool to be a geek, yeah. and part of that is because. As those of us who were geeks when we were were kids and we were the outcast stuffed in a locker and and whatnot. Thank you. Right. Uh, we're now grown up and have careers and have money and have money. Yeah. <laughs> we have disposable income. Which we, we have can disposable go, income. I'm I can get buy all shit. the D and D five books right now just because <laughs> I can. I can. I can. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, oh. One of our friends was like, yeah, we're gonna do this gaming thing at your house in early March, and I think you know, what do we want to run and. Gino's like, oh yeah, I want a, a 5e game. He's like, okay, cool. And I was like, oh, I don't have the books yet. Oh, well, I, I do will, now. I will be ordering those <laughs> that, now. That does bring up an interesting thing. I did this uh, just to close this argument out. Or I'm going to move on because we got yeah, the last uh, We got it. We got it. I, I actually gave a gaming book to my daughter for uh, for Christmas. So uh-huh. you know what? If they're if they're gamer curious, give them the tools to to uh, give them something to play with. <laughs> to, to give them something to play with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to cut the last one? or Do you want me to read it? Uh, go. I can power through it fast. Go. Dear Stu and the crew of the Doochie Doo, <laughs> greetings from the beautiful beachfront bunker, bunker city that is UC San Diego. I'm in need of mechanical help with your guys' favorite obsession. I've started jamming Beer? a game based on an anime full metal alchemist. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, the premises of the show is that people can control energy generated by tectonic movement through alchemy, drawing runic circles and pull up energy that is used in a specific chemical reactions. In the show, the powers at the center of the 20th century military dictatorship that implements it through the use of state-sanctioned alchemists. People will serve as both research and specialist soldiers. I highly recommend it to those of you who have been trying to be... trying to. 
an anime but don't want to have to deal with the understanding Japanese culture beforehand or having the having to read subtitles. The English dub is very good in my opinion and even better than the original Japanese. I'm going to pause there for a second because I've seen it. It's a really great anime. It is. It's not job. necessarily for kids because it's it's, it's bleak dark. and pretty dark. It's dark. Yeah. <coughs> my issue with implementing this setting in Savage Worlds is having a balance between <coughs> melee combat, gunplay, and the interaction with alchemy. I chose to implement the alchemy system through the superpowers compendium. I think that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Allowing my players to start at the street level of, of powers. I very quickly realized that at this level, the average soldier stands very little chance against someone who shoots lightning bolts from their bow and arrow. He eventually earned a reputation as the famed alchemist terrorist Zeus, and someone who can swallow the whole battalions of troops into the ground, only to be dug up later, asphyxiated, and crushed to death. Firstly, I had to no-butt this group. There was a Geneva Convention called, and the laws passed banning the use of alchemy as a weapon as a whole. However, there was an added clause in the alchemy that may be used as a weapon of self-defense against the other alchemists, because the wizard lightning bolts are simply too cool to be outlawed. (laughs) This game gets me to the crux of my biscuit. Har, har. Hope Stork is nearby. Uh, My issue is due to the interplay of parry, toughness, and the modifiers that come with the alchemical superpowers. My player's character is essentially a musketeer with the ability to alchemically change his saber's length and width. <laughs> Every man's uh, fantasy. <laughs> but he has, to, he has to wait about three hours between combats. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, no, but if he has a combat that lasts more than four hours, he has to see his physician. <laughs> you can only do it once, once a day. <laughs> um, uh, maybe twice if he's really young. How many, uh, how many like push-ups can you do? This is <laughs> one. Which is just one justification of taking an increased parry stat power. On average, his parry is 14, and on one occasion, it stretched as high as 20. Mine stretches as far as 20. Uh, (laughs) See, now you're bragging. (laughs) (laughs) This combined with the rather small uh, damage... This is just full of double entendre, which I wish I could just... But we're trying to go through this. Small damage (laughs) pool in the saber is a result of hours-long duels against other (laughs) melee fighters (laughs) with any kind of toughness higher than 7. Okay, I I know know we're in a hurry. So he, they, he has he ends up having very long sword fights. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Multiple sword fights that are longer than twelve. <laughs> we tried to fix this by implementing a fumbles rule. When you roll a one on your attack die, you have a chance to shake, fall over, or hurt yourself, and subsequently shake. While this did shorten the duels, the duel dynamic changed to who will fall over and get shaked to death on the ground first fights. A wonderful standing example of our home brewing can really mess up the dynamic. My question is. How exactly to balance the toughness and parry of a character that will still make it a challenge, but at least hit able, hittable by a character using a melee weapon? Do you want to answer that quickly, Jim? Yep. Yep. Use the rules as they're written. <laughs> because they I work. I saw that one coming. <laughs> yeah? Because they work. And, I, I, and even... Okay, I understand you've added added powers from the superpowers compendium. It still works. Yeah. Because they're woven into how the game works. That's what that wild die is for. You can explode yeah. and, three or four times and um, hit anything. What I, one, the one thing I would that leaps out at me here is um, a parry that starts at 14 is wildly too high. Yeah. Um, I have a campaign uh, that's been running for three years and the characters are, their next advance will take them to heroic level. Now, is his parry that high because of uh, something that he's implementing from supers? That's something that he's that they've done from their homebrew. Yeah, they house oh, okay. I think um, that may have to be looked at. And that may modified. have to, and that may have to be looked at. Um, but I think like the average parry for these characters is like an eight, and these are heroic level characters. Yeah. 
And if you look at the things in the beast cherry that they're that they would be fighting and whatnot, you're not going to get a parry above like an eight or a, or a twelve at the most. And um, like I think a dragon has a toughness of twenty. You, you, that's something you're going to have to revisit with your player. It's obviously um, been a mistake, and I so think it needs to be. I'm going to make a suggestion that he listen that he actually listen to a, another show, not because <gasps> it, well, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but we talk. Uh, exclusively about Savage Worlds. Uh, and that's the weekly Wednesday Savage Worlds GM's Hangout. Mm. Um, and we've been going through a series of world-building exercises where we've built different settings using nothing but the core rules. And uh, this will give you a good example of how to build out a setting and how to build out the things that you need for your setting and how to not make them so much that you you end up breaking things. I like because, I like your statement. Just do, use the rules as written. Yeah, that, that'll the, fix it. Because use the rules as written. It will work. Yeah. I promise. They work as they are. Alright, my other issue is the is with a guilty knot in my stomach. One of my players took a hero perk which allowed them to dump a major majority of the allowed him to dump a majority of points into one power. He chose a ranged blast, namely his lightning arrows. He does an average of five D ten of damage per hit with multiple arrows shot. It was because of this sheer destructive ability that I felt I had to drop the Geneva Laws into the setting, mostly because of an opening battle he killed literally 45 soldiers in one blast. While this does fit the setting to an extent, the game setting takes place in the snow, or uh, in the show, in the inevitable world war that would spring up against a country that uses chemistry wizards to kill whole cities of people. He is vastly superior in his ability to mass murder any than the other players. I don't think he really intended to min-max a character or even with the in-game restriction he does alright. I'm just worried that if I, uh, if I am a douchebag here for not allowing him to use his apocalypse cannon of a power <laughs> that he went uh, to the majority of power points on. Hope you're all doing well and in and, and by the way drink. Whatever suitable morning of beverages you have laying around be merry and uh don't uh, have to put off studying organic chemistry and uh, by a lot, writing along an email on a bunch of fat beards that live in the north. Uh, you know what, Tim? Actually, I was going to say to you, I have a character that, uh, that for Freak Show that has a very, very high flame power, but that's all he can do, and he right, has to right. be very careful when he uses it. Right. It's an all or nothing. So if you have that apocalypse cannon, you just put him in situations where. If he uses it, he's going to wipe out entire city blocks right, or something. Exactly. That's the that's the trade off with having that much power is that the, you have to use it carefully. The other thing is, and this is true of any point by system. It's true of Savage Worlds. It's true of GURPS. It's true of Hero. If you want to spend shoot the entire wad on your Apocalypse Cannon, um, that's cool, but you have now left a hole in your character somewhere. Something at which you are not good. And something at which you are not defended. Yeah. Um, how many you know? How many hero characters <clears throat> neglect to spend points on mental defense? Yeah. Oh, oh, all, please, all of neglect them. Neglect to spend them, points yeah. on mental defense. All of Let them. me fuck your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what Stork was saying a minute ago is in his freak show game. Uh, I, I play tested Dragon Boy, and he just has this massive fire breathing out right. of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first combat we were in for the playtest was in a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> with a bunch of cars around. <laughs> right. So if I went all apocalypse cannon on the flame breath, I would have 
It was a small town. I would have blown the whole town up. <laughs> right, and it also has a cone effect too. So you have to yeah. be careful where you aim it because yeah. you may hit your other players too. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the drawback. But when he's able to let loose, I mean, it's it's all out. Oh yeah, and and it's awesome when they're able to use that. Yeah. But you know, and that's the thing about that I, I I tell players is, you know, you can spend all of your points on this thing. You can totally do that. But um, when you dump stat vigor. You just wrecked yourself for when, you know, you have to make that survival roll. Right. Or when you have to make that soak roll to try to soak the damage that somebody did to you because you also didn't spend points on fighting, which means you don't have a parry for shit. I did give Dragon Boy uh, a melee ability, too, just in case, because I knew that with that with power... A sword, with yeah, a sword, yeah. With a sword. So sometimes you... Yeah, and, and four die, one die four or something. And gun, I think. I gave I you a gun, you, I think you had a gun. Just in yeah, case. And, and this really is one of the reasons why it takes, like, a half a second for me to distribute points and attributes for a, a new Savage Worlds character, because it's like, oh, everything is a six, and one's an eight. Yep. Done. done. Yeah, that's... <laughs> but characters aren't samey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's you all about the fucking tripping! Episode 11 of Happy Jack's RPG. <laughs> no, they're not. Very different. Very subtle differences. Very, very subtle. My 1D6 fire blast is completely different than I his. Not, I haven't said anything about Savage Worlds being samey in months. And no. You just stepped in a pile of poop that wasn't, wasn't even there. Sameyness. You, you did step in a, a, a big pile of samey. That's fair. That's fair. That was a. It's fine. It's you fine. Can, it only takes me five minutes to make Savage World character because they're all the same. No, <laughs> you did say it. That was a that was a huge pile of savings that you you left. My fault. All yeah, right. Fault. It's fine. It's fine. All right, mad. It's, fine. it's all good. It's fine. Wait till you wait till you Jim's in a game next to. <laughs> be Savage World. He's gonna be all samey this motherfucker. <laughs> All right, I'll get the, 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 the you know I stopped getting the hate mail from the Savage Worlds people. Uh, they don't listen. They anymore. gave up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think they still listen. They just they just gave up. They think we're a lost cause. <coughs> All right, did you call it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us for. Se- oh wait, do it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for season 14, episode 11 of Happy Chicks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Tim. This is Stork. This is Jib. Uh, and thank you again to, what is it, Dogmite? Yes, Dogmite.com. Dogmite.com. Uh, go there, check them out. Uh, Buy their stuff. Support our sponsors for supporting our show. Thank you very much. And we'll leave you with us all.
create, so drink, 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 drink it up. I don't need your sympathy, don't need no kindly words. Your condolences are as useful as perfume on a turd. Once fortune smiled upon me, then shat upon my head. So now I sit at the bar, and the barkeep kindly said, Drink it up, drink it up, this bar won't close tonight. For I might see better days ahead, but the last few days have sucked. Media Empire.